Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. Today we offer insight and help into consumer bankruptcy. We'll define what it is, who can declare, how you declare, and what types of bankruptcy are available to consumers. We welcome two experienced attorneys to help us in this, Jordan Shapiro and Richard Ravosa. Both gentlemen are co-authors of the bankruptcy chapter in the ELEP guide, that's the Elder Law Education Program Guide. Jordan Shapiro is with the law firm of Shapiro & Hender in Malden, and Richard Ravosa is at Ravosa Law Offices in Natick. We'll start with attorney Jordan Shapiro, and my first question is pretty basic. Let's define what bankruptcy is. What it means for uh, most consumers and businesses is that you need protection from your creditors. And so for most people, they uh, file a bankruptcy petition in order to be able to either work out a payment plan through the bankruptcy court when they're unable to amicably work out a payment plan voluntarily, or if they want to uh, reorganize their business, uh, they sometimes will turn to the bankruptcy court to help them to survive. In general, bankruptcy, Jordan, offers a fresh start from those in debt, correct? Absolutely. That's what's the legislation of, uh, I think it was 1898, when the uh, legislators of the United States government thought it would be a good idea to create a bankruptcy act. And what I tell people really is when people are in debt, they become non-productive members of society. And so by having this act created to avoid paying debts for people who sometimes are so overburdened with debt, they can't eat, they can't sleep, they can't work, they can't do anything. And so with this ability to discharge your uh, obligations, the Bankruptcy Act is a wonderful thing for most people. Richard Ravosa, let me just ask you before we get into the subject in more detail, has this been one of the busiest times you and your colleagues have seen with all the economic turmoil out there? Uh, there's a lot of phone calls coming in, but uh, filings are just starting to pick up. Uh, the past few months have not been very busy in terms of filings uh, because I think of uh, certain aid packages that have been in circulation that have now dried up and now a lot of debtors are feeling the pinch. Jordan, let's talk a little bit about the types of bankruptcies that are available to the consumers. There are three types of bankruptcies general available to the consumers. And again, I'm leaving out farmers who could be consumers and municipalities that are, uh, again, not consumers. So for the normal consumer, Chapter 7, Chapter 13, and Chapter 11 are the three types of bankruptcy that is out there. Chapter 7, very briefly, is called the liquidation, a straight bankruptcy. What people do when they file the uh, Chapter 7 is they're looking for a discharge of all of their debts. Certain debts are not dischargeable, like income taxes, uh, student loans, secured creditors. But for the most part, for people who owe credit card debt, medical bills, hospital bills, uh, lawyers' fees, other fees of any kind from any retail purchaser, anybody who's given them credit, uh, you can wipe out their bills. Their bills become on the day you file. Uh, they no longer can try and collect any money from you at all. They are prevented. There's a restraining order that issued from the court upon filing a bankruptcy that stops creditors from communicating with you at all. 
But so that's what chapter seven is in any event. And again, most of the time, unsecured creditors, those people who have no security, uh, unlike mortgage holders and like um, uh, tax claims, they have priority rights and they usually eat up all the funds. So it's very rare that there's uh, sufficient funds available to pay unsecured creditors in chapter seven. Uh, there is something that's uh, somewhat new in the Bankruptcy Act, and that's called the means test. So if someone files a Chapter 7 and they are not the average income tax payer in Massachusetts, the means of the average taxpayer, they might be forced to go into a Chapter 13. Now, the means to show you what examples are, if there's a family and, and they compare family, so when they do a means test, they determine how many people are in your family and whether the size of your family is the average taxpayer. If you make more than the average taxpayer, they want you to file 13. So an interesting example is if two people uh, are going to be in a family unit, one of them wants to file bankruptcy, $84,000. They have to make more than $84,000 before there's a presumption that they're required to convert to Chapter 13. Four people in the family, $135,000 before you presume to convert to a 13. Now, a chapter 13 is also called the wage earner plan, and that's for individuals. Chapter 11 can be filed by corporations, by businesses, but chapter 13 is for individuals of regular income who owe debts of unsecured debts of less than $419,000 and have secured debts of less than $1,257,000. And so, so the businesses cannot file a chapter uh, 13. And so what happens is, again, there are payments made. It's a payment plan that is worked out for your excess funds over your minimal needs of existence. And those monies are paid to a chapter 13 trustee who distributes your money to your creditors. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it's people can have plans of three to five years. It's usually filed by people under high stress. Typically, it's people whose house is being foreclosed, or their car is being repossessed, or their wages are being attached. Chapter 13 will stop that from happening, but you do have to make payments, mm. but you can keep your assets. Chapter 7, as I just mentioned, is a liquidation. That's when the creditors will take away all of your non-exempt assets and distribute it to creditors. Right. And chapter 11 is just for businesses and uh, uh, sometimes people who don't fit into the income requirements of the other two uh, documents, uh, you'd have to file a chapter 11. And that's uh, in order to stay in business. Uh, and again, I've done several chapter 11s uh, just recently. And unfortunately, um, there's a, a new uh, a new uh, subchapter five for businesses that have less than 2.7 million in debt generally, but now been raised up to 7 million in debt. Thank you so much for, for really laying it out as clearly as you did. Let me go over to Richard now, and let's talk about the, the individual who's hearing this. Who's eligible to file is basically the question. Uh, for Chapter 7 cases, uh, individuals are eligible to file, and that makes up the bulk of the filers uh, here in Massachusetts. Uh, businesses can also file a Chapter 7, but there are big differences between them depending on who the debtor is. Uh, for example, in an individual Chapter 7, the individuals who are filing are most interested in keeping all of their property. So the exemptions play a big role in bankruptcy. And that's what generates a lot of fear. A lot of clients call and they say, I, I don't want to lose my house, Richard. I don't want to lose my car. Mm. Can I still file bankruptcy and be able to keep those things? And we have to do the analysis and see if they're 
home is protected by the homestead laws uh, and see if there's a car loan that may allow them to keep the car and not have to lose any assets if they file bankruptcy. With businesses or corporations, on the other hand, uh, in a Chapter 7, there are no exemptions available. So any assets that belong to the debtor corporation will be uh, seized and sold by the bankruptcy trustee. And what about the question of age? Does someone need to be of legal age to declare bankruptcy? You have to be 18 years old. Okay. Uh, the law of majority in most states. All right. So we're talking about consumer bankruptcy, and we started to get into some of the advantages. Jordan, you laid out some of them, the idea of uh, having this horrible onus taken off your back. Of course, we'll talk about some of the drawbacks. doesn't come without its uh, consequences, but talk a little bit about the automatic stay and some of the other advantages, if you would. The automatic stay is a very useful tool. It's uh, in, in slang terms, it's known as a strong arm provision because it will automatically stop the commencement or continuation of any actions, legal actions against the debtors other than criminal actions. Uh, so that is what uh, Jordan referred to previously. Mm -hmm. uh, they're under a lot of stress. It's usually a lawsuit, a wage garnishment, a car repossession threat. So that's what sends them running into our law office. And we have to scramble sometimes because the either the foreclosure or the, the hearing on the wage attachment is, is coming up shortly. So that that is a part of the reason for the stress. Americans face huge credit card debt and it seems to be going up every year. Jordan Shapiro, what happens to American consumers in that case if they're just completely off the rails and they need to declare bankruptcy? Well, as I said, uh, credit cards are dischargeable normally. Uh, there are certain restrictions that I don't really think is especially important for this kind of a uh, podcast, but uh, there are certain uh, restrictions where creditors might object to uh, your discharging their debt if they think that you were uh, spending money for luxury items or if they think that you fraudulently obtained the credit. Some of those issues uh, come up more often uh, lately because the creditors are being so frequently wiped out uh, by the uh, bankruptcy petition. Let's talk about some of the, the drawbacks because there are always intended and unintended consequences of any action. What are some of the things that are going to happen when people declare bankruptcy that are not as positive? Well, some of the drawbacks to bankruptcy are their credit score will decline, mm -hmm. in some cases up to 200 points or more. Uh, but usually their credit is already in pretty bad shape by the time they come in because they haven't been paying the bills, credit card bills or a mortgage in quite a while. But nevertheless, the, the clients will still ask me. Uh, they want to re save their credit or repair their credit. And I say, that's the least of your concerns right now. You have a wage garnishment coming up or foreclosure. So the credit issue really takes a back seat. So that, that is one negative aspect hmm. of the bankruptcy. Uh, the other negative aspect is they will not be able to use their credit cards anymore. Uh, that is a big bone of contention with some debtors because they say to me, you know, Richard, it's this big credit card that's giving me all the problems. And these two little ones, I don't owe anything and I want to keep them. And here's the, the other side of that story. Even if someone has a zero balance on a credit card, when you sign up for a credit card, you're giving the creditor the right to police your credit report. And the minute they find out that you file bankruptcy, they're going to cancel the card because the creditor defines default as either A, not paying the, the bill as it becomes due, or B, 
bankruptcy is tantamount to default. So they will cancel the card. So I tell them uh, it's a clean uh, start, a fresh start, and you're getting rid of all the credit cards. Let's talk about the need to sell off assets to pay your creditors. When does that take effect in a consumer bankruptcy situation? Either one of you can pick that up. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, I'm uh, thinking that uh, within a um, four-year period before you file bankruptcy, you really can't be just selling off your assets uh, to uh, avoid uh, uh, paying your bills. Uh, you have to, uh, if you're going to be uh, selling assets, you want to be using the proceeds of those assets to pay your debt. Because if you file bankruptcy, uh, they will look back for four years, sometimes two years, but sometimes four years, sometimes 10 years to see if you've done fraudulent transfers to avoid paying your bills. So people will sometimes try and sell their house to their spouse or people will try and sell their car to their children, and then they can think they can file bankruptcy. It doesn't work that way because a trustee is typically appointed in either Chapter 7 or Chapter 13 and is looking for people who are doing tricky business. So you have to be very honest. Bankruptcy petitions are signed under the federal penalties of perjury. Right. So you can't fool around. Let me ask you this follow-up question. Uh, let's say someone declares bankruptcy and there are certain assets, whether it be a, a car, a collectible, a piece of art or something. Is that automatically looked at by the trustee that it might be useful to cash that in to pay off some of the debt? Well, if you're going to be filing bankruptcy soon because of the look back that the trustee will be doing, it's not really a good idea. Now, that's just my opinion. Now, Richard may have a different view of it, giving people advice about you certainly want to advise people if you can help them to protect their assets uh, from creditors. Uh, without doing uh, something that is fraudulent or deceptive. Uh, and so giving them advice about how to uh, pay certain debts and pay certain uh, creditors, uh, that is perfectly legal to do. But again, it's not a good idea for you to be thinking that you're going to file bankruptcy someday in the near future. But in the meantime, you want to make yourself assetless because the creditors aren't going to let you get away with that. Richard, any thoughts on that question and that subject? Yeah, the, the careful thing to do when someone comes in is uh, you will look at all their assets. And that's uh, something that's extremely important is to get full disclosure of those assets from the client. Many times clients will feel that because the property is overseas, they don't have to disclose it. We've had clients come in and not tell us about a property in, excuse me, say Brazil, until we're ready to file the case. And then we, we cannot file the case or we have to disclose you have the property in Brazil. So that's a, a big problem uh, is making sure that the client is um, upfront about what they own and also upfront about what they have transferred. Because many times before they come to see the lawyer, they've gone online and done some dangerous legal research and have really unknowingly shot themselves in the foot by paying back a loan to Uncle Joe or Aunt Marge, and then they don't tell the lawyer because they think, gee, that's done and paid for. And then when we ask for bank statements, we see the check to Aunt Marge for $4,500. And that's a problem. That uh, would be a, a, called a preference in bankruptcy. And that could get 
uh, Aunt Marge sued by the bankruptcy trustee to recover that money. In discussing all of this, in lieu of bankruptcy, because it is complex and it does require expert help, and that's what you guys provide, are there other options for people who are finding themselves in trouble, Jordan? Yes, I tell people when they come in, you can do something or you can do nothing. If you do nothing, then uh, when wait for the sheriffs to arrive at your door hmm. with the summons, uh, then you're going to have to uh, be able to respond to lawsuits that may be seeking to immediately attach your property or attach your wages or attach your vehicle. So doing nothing is an option for people who are strong, can handle stress, maybe handle phone calls from debt collectors a day and night. Uh, that's not really a good thing to do is do nothing. There are several alternatives that you can do to avoid bankruptcy. First thing, of course, is to contact the debt collector. Sometimes you can send the debt collector a nasty letter yourself because you probably received a ton of debt collecting notices from the debt collector already and tell them, stop bothering me. I don't want you to communicate with me ever again other than through legal process. The other thing to do is to send the debt collector a note that you would like to make an offer of payments, a settlement. That's a great way to avoid court action, a great way to avoid bankruptcy. The other thing is hire a mass bar association attorney to defend you and advise you as to what to do about handling your debts. Again, Richard just mentioned that the preferences, and I mentioned fraudulent conveyances, uh, those are things that you really uh, stopped from filing bankruptcy because you won't succeed. The other thing I tell people is you can sign up for a money management course. Learn how to handle your finances. Learn how to handle your debt. And the last thing that I don't believe in is there are debt consolidation organizations. Many of them are dishonest. And rather than paying your bills, they only pay yourself, pay themselves. So you'll feel better if you contact a lawyer at the MBA, in my opinion, if you're thinking about bankruptcy so that you can learn whether bankruptcy is right for you. I tell people it takes me an hour and a half to meet with someone to evaluate whether or not mm. bankruptcy. I'm so glad you brought up that question of the radio and TV ads suggesting you can handle your debt with one phone call to 1-800-HANDLE-DEBT or something. It sounds too good to be true. It usually is. Richard, any thoughts on the same question of alternatives? It, it, Jordan covered it pretty well. Anything you want to add? Yes, he, he sure did. One thing I will add with regard to settlements, because some clients uh, will come in and they'll want to file bankruptcy and then for one reason or another, whether it's a preference or they are above the means test limit, uh, they're not eligible to file a bankruptcy. So the settlement is an option. The, the hitch there is, though, any amount that's forgiven in the settlement, the individual is sent a 1099 by the creditor. And that becomes taxable income. So with my debt settlement clients that, that have large debts, we like to stagger the settlements over multiple tax years. And December is the best month to settle debts because these creditors want to get them off their books by the end of the year. Very, very wise advice. Before we wrap up, two more questions. One has to do, of course, with student loans, which in political terms is a is a hot issue depending on what happens in the next few months when the new administration comes in. No matter what, people owe the money and uh, some of them are way, way behind. What advice or comment do you have for those people? First of all, to contact the student loan lender and request a deference or a forbearance. And many of the 
individuals have already burned through all of that time. And then they're faced with the prospect of having to file an adversary proceeding in bankruptcy to determine whether or not that student loan is going to be discharged. And that is a very high hurdle, as we all know. And uh, if there's any uh, way the government is going to uh, fight that, they're, they're going to go to the mats with it because they win most cases. Jordan, any additional comments? I, I was just going to comment before you close. You asked uh, Richard about whether there is an increase or decrease in bankruptcy. So I looked at some statistics. Chapter 7 filings are down 27%. Chapter 13 filings are down 55 and 65%. On the other hand, large corporation filings, Chapter 11, are up 200%. So we see all these famous big stores, Guitar Center, Models, Men's Warehouse, Hertz, Brooks Brothers, J.C. Penney, Lord & Taylor, a few. It's just amazing how many bankruptcies are being filed by biz businesses. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the consumers, interestingly enough, are getting government funds. Uh, on a regular basis, and maybe they'll get some more very, very soon. And again, the bankruptcy courts are always open to protect people, but the district courts and the superior courts are very, very slow. And so evictions, people are not being evicted uh, because of the court's closures. Uh, the same thing with collecting money uh, through the court processes, are uh, very, very slow and difficult. And so a lot of people don't have to file bankruptcy because they know they can't be sued. They've got and that, so they've got that COVID window helping you to it. push it away. And what are the filing fees in general like? Three hundred. $35 for Chapter 7, $310 for Chapter 13, and $1,717 for Chapter 11. Just a final comment from both of you on the opportunity that is availed to people if they need it and the best way to approach this. I think we both agree that having good legal counsel is the best way to go. But Richard, why don't you begin? Final comment. To act sooner rather than later, because the timing of the filing can be critical in bankruptcy because that petition date is carved in stone once it's filed. And two very important things can happen to people who are facing foreclosure or eviction. If they wait too long and the landlord in an eviction case already has a judgment for possession, the bankruptcy isn't going to be of any help to that individual. They can still get tossed out. So the automatic stay would not apply which is the main reason most people come running to a law office. The other reason with foreclosures is if they file before the foreclosure judgment, uh, they can avoid having a foreclosure notation on their credit report, which helps them rebuild credit a lot faster. So our advice is to file the bankruptcy before the auction and surrender the house through the bankruptcy, and that will help them get their credit score back up a lot faster. And Jordan, any final comments? And I, and I have a perhaps a different view of credit scores. Uh, my different view is this. If you're not going to buy anything, your credit score is irrelevant. And so I tell my clients, look, when you're coming in to see me, we'll have a full meeting. I'll do an intake for a long time. And if you're not planning to buy anything like a new car or a new house or something else fancy, then... Who cares about your credit score? It's not relevant. It's just a piece of paper. Now, again, 
bankruptcy is on your credit report. We didn't mention that for 10 years for chapter seven, for seven years for chapter 13. And so uh, it certainly can adversely affect you if you go and take a loan. On the other hand, if you have a lawyer who's interested in helping you to rehabilitate your credit score, which is what I always do with bankruptcy clients. I try and teach them how to rehabilitate their credit score, which can be done in a couple of years. They can go out and buy a house, maybe three years, two years, maybe four years. But if they do what I tell them, their credit score will leap up from the 350 or 400 they probably are when they're coming in to see me to the 700 range. And so it just takes preparation, takes time, takes confidence, and takes uh, uh, the uh, the ability to search out a good bankruptcy lawyer who's in the MBA to help you out. For people considering bankruptcy, uh, most lawyers will give a no-cost consultation. So uh, don't be bashful. Pick up the phone, call a, a qualified lawyer uh, with the MBA, and ask the, the hard questions, because the sooner you ask the questions, you'll get the correct answer instead of Googling around and trying to do it themselves and maybe getting themselves into more trouble. Thank you to our two guests, attorney Jordan Shapiro of Malden and Richard Ravosa of Natick, co-authors of the bankruptcy section in the MBA's Elder Law Education Guide. They're very well versed in the subject, and we certainly appreciate their time. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.